I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome to the Growth Vault podcast. Hope you're doing awesome. I am so excited to talk to my good friend. It's been many years now, at least four, maybe five years. It feels like I've known Brian Haggerty. He's been on the show many times. Honestly, he might have been on this podcast more than any other single guest other than maybe my wife. Uh, he has a lot of value to, to add, plus his personality, his story. Uh, he's built a multi-million dollar company on the East Coast, but he's had lots of pain and suffering along the way. He's hired over a thousand employees in his long career in many different industries. He I can't wait to hear, Brian, how 2020s went for you, what you're looking forward to for next year. It's been a crazy year. Thanks for spending time with me. Oh, Josh, it's always a pleasure. And knowing that I'm in good company with your wife, Ashley, is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't believe yeah. I've been married 18 and a half years. It's so you are tru- crazy to me. You are truly blessed, man. She's a wonderful woman. You are truly blessed. She That's is. I, yeah. I'm married so far up, I need a ladder. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> when when people good. see us in public, they just go, oh, that guy must be like a, a rich guy or something because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> I'm like, nope, I was just as ugly when we lived in the trailer park and she still was married uh, to me then. Listen, um, you have the charisma. That's what she loves, man. There you, you go. You're always on fire. You're it's always on I fire. because I have a man. podcast. That's the the key. You got to have Oh, that's podcast. it. You got to get a podcast. But, so yeah. tell, get, do a recap of 2020. I mean, we already know it's been a, the year from hell for a lot of people. It's been a nightmare. But for some people, they've had the, the best year ever. There's lots of opportunity. There's people acquiring other companies. There's people grabbing market share. A lot of it had to do with kind of the, the fear in the spring and how business owners approached it. What happened uh, for you? What's, what's your perspective for this year as we end the year? You know, we talked about this last time I was on, and uh, I believe it was back in March or April, and we talked about when COVID was first here, and, you know, you could either be that, that uh, you know, we had that, I gave you that analogy of when there's a big storm coming up over the Rockies, and, and uh, it's coming down onto the eastern plains, you know, and the hail's coming down, and the rain, and the thunder, and the lightning, the cows run away, and they actually end up running with the storm, and they get, like, completely destroyed, and the buffalo turn and look at the storm and run right through it. So it's the, the impact is less. Yes. And that's what we decided to do. We were going to turn, we just turn this thing around, look at it and make the impact less. And, you know, fear, which is false evidence appearing real, the acronym of that is very powerful. It can stop a lot of people right in their tracks. They, they don't know what to do. They're just completely frozen. And I always look at it like, okay, what, what's the worst case scenario? And is that really going to happen? No. Like they were saying too many people were going to die from COVID in the U S well, that didn't happen. I mean, I, I like, you could just look at the facts. I think the problem is like most people, if you're looking down a rifle and you're looking down the scope of a rifle, your limit, your view is very limited. It's pinpointed in one direction, but if you put the rifle down and you tilt your head to the left and you tilt your head to the right, you can see the whole battlefield. And when this thing hit, it originally hit, everybody was looking through a scope. If I get it, I'm going to give it to my mom. My mom's going to die. That was like everybody's, that was one on everybody's mind, you know? Yep. And 
all my, my employees were frozen. They all froze. They didn't know what to do. And I had a meeting with them and I said, Hey guys, wake up, listen, everybody just take a deep breath back, take deep breath, take a step back. Look at this. Nobody's dying around you. Nobody even has COVID around you. Take it easy. Just relax. It's not as bad as the media is trying to make it to be. And obviously it wasn't, we know now the kids aren't affected by it. We know that like, like Stockholm, I mean, like they didn't even like do anything, Japan, Korea, they're fine. <laughs> they're, I mean, like wow. all these other places were in the U S we're running around like crazy with masks on and everybody's going to run it, roll out and get a vaccine now. It's like, I don't know, <laughs> but, but I, I just looked at it for what it was and thought, okay, why everybody's distracted with that. I'm going to focus on taking market share. I'm going to focus on providing better service than we already provide. And we provide very high level service, but providing even better service and figure out what it's going to take to get a client to buy from us and not be afraid to interact with our employees. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody put this little COVID thing on their website, which people got tired of reading. Okay. But when you, when you actually have the conversation with them the first time we would say, to them, listen, you know, we're taking all safety precautions. Our employees, um, they wear masks while they're in the truck with each other. They don't, you know, nobody's going out. Obviously we're not going to parties or anything. And we're outside your home. We're not inside your home. So basically I found out, I found out two things, which are really great. Number one, I already know that my company is completely recession proof because I've been through in the 30 years, three of them and every single one of them we grew. And now I know we're pandemic proof, which is like, that's like <laughs> bulletproof. <laughs> so, so not only are we pandemic proof, but we're bulletproof. And I'm like, this is great. So in, in, uh, you know, in 2020, our goal was 1.7 million. We did 1.434. So we got pretty close. The, it dropped off for us in July and August. And I, I, I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. I think it had more to do with my marketing. And, um, we shifted some work that we normally have in the summer during our slope period into March. So we took all the condos, and stuff that we normally stack up in the summertime because that's when our residential usually slows down and moved them up into March because all of our clients were panicking and nobody wanted anybody around their house. Mm. So we did all the condos first. And then when we, we got to the, you know, condo time, there was no condos. Yeah. So I really should have stepped up the marketing a lot sooner and, and, uh, and rolled it out in like early June instead of late June. And I think we would have, we definitely would have hit our goal. Um, net profit wise, we did awesome. We did like best year we ever had. So I'm not really upset about that. And I mean, and, and for 2021, I mean, we're looking at doing 2.5 million next year and we, we already put the equipment in place. We've got the marketing in place. We've got everything ready to go. And I, I'll tell your listeners, this is a little thing Josh and I talked about before the podcast, but he called me up and he said, Hey, can you do the podcast now? I'm like, thank you. I'm doing the budget and you're saving me. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more fun to do a podcast than a budget oh definitely yeah uh i was doing the budget for 2021 and my my eyes were glazing over but yeah i mean you know i i believe that and you know my dad gave me a book when i was a kid you know maybe about 16 it was thinking grow rich and you know what the author was saying was if you can conceive it and you believe it you can achieve it. And it's that simple. It's a positive mindset. It's going in one direction. It's believing that you can get it done and be willing to put the work in and you can have anything. You can do anything. I'm sure you agree with that. You've done plenty of things like that. It's so obvious to me that what you said is truth with the capital T, like mathematical two plus two equals four. If you see it and believe that you can get it, you can get it. it to me, it's it's a 
it's an afterthought, but I know that for people that are struggling or they're, they grew up in a very chaotic environment, I don't really know the reasons why, or they're just covered in fear, they're paralyzed. It doesn't seem true to someone who's going through hell at the moment, but it absolutely is true. If you don't think you can do something, you're done before you even begin to attempt to do that thing. I beat it into my kid's head. My wife and I talk about it all the time and we have hard times and we get discouraged and stuff, but our default is kind of like what you're saying. I mean, you're so, let me ask you this, Brian, from my perspective, the last few years, I don't know, three, four years in a row now, you've been obsessed with tightening and streamlining your systems and your company. You focused heavily on culture. I mean, I think last year you had went a whole season and not even one employee even showed up to work late one time. You've done some incredible things. You've hit way bigger numbers, but you were more of an owner operator kind of guy for like decades before. When, if you were to line yourself up today, your beliefs, your mindset, your focus, your, I don't know, your discipline, whatever, v- compared against the old version of yourself, what are the things that shifted for you? Because you're full of energy, you're full of positivity, you're just killing it. I know you're going to make an acquisition potentially of a big company. You bought, you got like 18 different units on the road. You're, you're just, I know how much money you make and how much you keep. Your margins are ridiculous and abnormally high. What happened? Could, can you lay out and identify I, I some say, of those differences? I can I could tell you what happened. Josh Latimer happened. Um, you happened. That's what happened in my life. I was I was so stuck in my business. It was it was awful. I it, it got to the point where you know I, I opened my business in 1990. It was just me, and that's how most entrepreneurs start out. You know, I had uh, gas stations before that, and I had mechanics working for me, and then we had a convenience store, and and I sold that stuff, and then I thought. Now, what am I going to do? Because I didn't want to work 24-7 in a gas station anymore. It was just it, it was just too much for me to handle. I wanted something that was seasonal. I could spend my winter skiing in Colorado. And so I thought, you know, I'll think of something. Maybe I'll cut grass. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I ended up power washing my deck in 1990. I went out to the rental store. I rented a power washer. This is before Home Depot. Home Depot didn't even exist. And I got a power washer. I power washed my deck. And I thought, people will pay for this. I just have to figure out how to market it. And I got to figure out how to do it right. And back then there was no internet. So you couldn't just go on the internet or on YouTube and watch somebody power wash a deck. So I had to call around, go to the library, get a, you know, get a book and, and go through the, um, I forget the, the Thompson's registry. It had all the businesses in it. And I found Delco supply, Mike Kindleiter's dad. And, um, I found uh, Delco supply and called them up and they gave me some info. And so then it was from there, to I hired an employee and then I had to get rid of the guy and get another guy and get rid of the guy and get another guy. And it just, you know, I just didn't have the leadership and the management skills that I needed. I had the great technical skills, but I didn't have the rest of that. And I got around like the early 2000s, like maybe 2004, 2005. And I had four trucks on the road and I was out of the truck, but getting pulled back in all the time. And it was, it was ugly. It was like, you know, the guys were destroying the insides of the trucks, leaving bleach tanks open and stuff and not caring. There was no systems. And, you know, people were calling about dead plants and, you know, the, the whole world was on fire. It was just not a good thing. And I was just all like, I couldn't figure out what it is that I needed to do, but I knew I had to do something. And I was stuck there, Josh, for like almost 10 years, like stuck there. In that same thing for like almost 10 years. And finally, I was just deciding, look, you know, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm in my fifties. I got to, I got to do something. I either got to get out of this business and go do something else, or I got to sell my business or 
something else. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I just happened to be on the internet and I saw you and Chris uh, Lamborghini's at doing the podcast for automate grow sell. And I was like, all right, I got that. I bought your little key. I have your key right here in my hand. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that goes way back. People don't anybody even know that, that doesn't is. know. Josh has this little USB. It's a blue key, and it says, "Hang on a second, I'm pulling it up right now." It says on it, it's got the automate grow cell symbol on it, and it and uh, it said, "No, I'm sorry, it's a window uh, window wealth is what it is." Yeah, and the window wealth, and it was all your systems, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is what I need." And I had some systems, like I had made VHS training tapes for my employees back in the early, the late nineties. So I could train them. I had, um, I actually marketed those training tapes through cleaner times magazine and it was called the contractor's coach. And I used to sell those things and they pay my mortgage every month. And, and, um, you know, eventually after learning about you and the systems, I, I, uh, did a little coaching with Howard Partridge. I did coaching with you. Um, and I, I got it. It got, it got into my brain. It's like, it doesn't have to be like this. You, you don't have to be my way or the highway. You can take it easy, treat these guys like you treat your own kids. Don't treat them like they're, you know, working for you and, you know, you're the tyrant. To, and what, no one wants that, especially in today's day and age with these millennials. They absolutely do not want that. They want to be part of something. They want to be involved in the decision-making process. They want to be involved in making the systems. But every system, anytime we have a new system coming into the company, I didn't just come up with the idea. I go to guys, hey guys, we got a problem. We need to create a system for it. Can we have a Zoom meeting? And I'll get like five or six guys on a Zoom meeting and we'll hack it out and we'll figure out how we're going to fix it. And they create the system. Let, so, let me ask you this, Brian. This is so fascinating, the whole thing. I just love talking to you. But you you hold your team to a very high standard. And oh yeah, no doubt. You're a East Coast kind of New Jersey tough guy kind of guy. You're lovable as heck, and whenever you see my kids, you're just like totally distracted being a, a teddy bear to the kids. But <laughs> you recruit, you know, college athlete style, full of testosterone guys is kind of who you target for your team. Sure. And you're loving on them, building the culture, and being Mr. Nice Guy and making it fun. But at the same time, you're holding them to a really high standard, where most of the people I hear from are just wallowing with bad employee after bad employee help us understand tactically the types of things you're doing to be able to demand a high level of performance, but still make it a warm, fuzzy family kind of feeling atmosphere. Sure. Well, it all, it all starts with, with the owner of the company. If you don't have leadership skills, you need to learn. You got to read books on leadership and learn how to be a leader. I'd, I'd say the very first one you could start with is Jocko Wilnick's extreme ownership. Jocko was a Navy SEAL and extreme ownership. And it's all about taking responsibility for everything, everything and anything. If somebody on your team is messing up, the reason why he's messing it up is you didn't train him properly. And that it comes back on you every single time. It always comes back on you. So if we have problems with people messing up, we always look like, okay, did we train this guy right? Did we pick the right guy for that job? Is he the right person in that slot? Maybe he's not. Maybe he should be in a different slot. You know, uh, is it is it motivation? Maybe he's just not motivated or maybe he just doesn't want the job and we got the wrong guy. No matter what, any of those things are totally on me. I didn't motivate him. I picked the wrong guy or I hired the wrong guy to begin with. It's all on me. It's not on them. There's not the, they're the idiot. It's like I'm the idiot. And when you get that on in your head, then you start thinking about like, OK, I got to make my life easy when I'm hiring 
who exactly do I want? It's like when I'm power washing, who exactly do I want for a client? I mean, I know my demographic of my client, like right down to their net worth, what kind of car they drive, what magazines they read, where they live, the zip code, how many kids they have. I know everything about my client, everything about my client. And I want to know everything about my ideal employee. And the, my ideal employee is guys, this is for technicians, guys that have played um, team sports before. They're very aggressive. They want to be number one. Like they're, they're not like, okay with being, oh, well, you know, our team came in second. <laughs> this is not okay with that at all. You know, they want to be like, our team came in first, like all the time. And they and their team players, like they know how to pass the ball and they know how to help other people out. And we have a whole hiring process that we created called the ultimate rockstar employee toolkit. And you, you actually helped me create that. And we made that together and we had that through automate grow self for a long time. And I gave that to uh, Brandon Vaughn last year over at conquer coaching and I gave it to him as a gift and he gave it to all the people that are in conquer. So like, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about conquer conquer is for those of your listeners who don't know what conquer is. It's a coaching program that Brandon Vaughn owns. Josh has a, a small interest in it and they have really professional coaches in there. Kedma uh, does an awesome job of training the coaches and all the, the resources that they have available inside of there. We just, it, it's like, it's like business in a box. I mean, you don't just got to walk in and everything, every, all of your problems are uh, all the solutions to all your problems are right there already done. But we created the ultimate rockstar employee toolkit. I started hiring people. I learned how to make it even better and we made it better. And we haven't had a single employee miss a day of work in three years, three years. Grief. Holy Nobody's God. missed a day of work in three years. That's it. We only had to terminate uh, two employees in the last uh, three years. We've only had to terminate two employees. And one of them was for uh, just a, a safety violation. Wasn't wearing a roof harness on a roof. Talked to him about it repeatedly. Just wasn't wearing a safety harness and had to go. He was a great guy, but had to go. And wow. um, yeah. And, and like, you know, we're, we're really diligent about making sure our employees are safe, that they're trained. We have a complete online training program in Talent LMS where uh, our employees can go and we have different levels that they can get at. So we have levels one all the way up to level four. And each one of those comes with more responsibility, more pay. Um, they're learning how to be leaders. Like this winter, um, you know, we have a winner's off here in New Jersey. And this winter, every Wednesday, um, we're reading John Maxwell's book right now, the 21, I forget what it is, the 21 irrefutable, yeah, like irrefutable things about a leader or something. Um, we're, we're starting reading that one next week. And um, we're also doing raving fans this year. And last year we did two of Jocko Wilnick's books. And this is for guys going from level two to level three that are now going to be leaders of another person. And they need to know how to become leaders. It's not like you can't just say, oh, Josh, yeah, yeah you're in charge of that guy now. Yeah. You don't have the leadership skills. What am I, what, you know, and whose fault is that if it doesn't work out? It's mine. <laughs> That's right. It's leadership. Well, Brandon always calls it leadership by abdication, meaning yeah. someone in and you say, Hey, deal with this. And, and it's, you just assume that they're going to figure it out, which almost never happens. Right. Correct. And, and then we get mad at them when it doesn't, and it creates this vicious loop. And then the big thing you said in the beginning, uh, was basically you started taking responsibility for everything. And really with any problem in our life, if you're externally focused, you're going to be stuck. If you're trying to find the boogeyman and the bad guy that's screwing you over and find the reasons why nothing's going your way, 
uh, it's a wild goose chase because the answer is almost always internal, not external. It's you, it's your mindset. It's something that you're not taking responsibility for or a part of your life that you're abdicating responsibility for. That's a hundred percent true. Not just in business and marriage and everything and parenting. Everything. I can't yep. think of something that that wouldn't apply to. No, uh, but I know you also do. You do a lot of like breakfasts with your people. You do a lot of oh, yeah. rewards, prizes, there's competitions. Tell us a little bit about some of that. Yeah. Well, um, this year, you know, with COVID, it was a little more difficult to do it. We call them uh, extravaganzas. And co- we have uh, Colleen is our, works in our office and she's our, she wanted a title. So she's the extravaganza facilitator. She even has a business <laughs> card. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So she's the extravaganza facilitator and um, she comes up with great ideas for us of things to do. Like we've, um, we, you know, we go hatchet throwing with the whole, with the whole crew that, you know, there around here is places you can just go and you get pizza and beers and throw hatchets at, uh, you know, targets and, uh, bowling and, um, canoeing and rock climbing, all kinds of stuff. Um, this year with COVID, it was a little different. So what we did was, um, we had, I rented a big tent, put it up in my backyard, had all the whole company over here. We were playing cornhole and we had, um, uh, hatches thrown here, <laughs> which was a little, a little on the unsafe side, I would say, but you know, <laughs> OSHA wasn't here and, and, uh, you know, we're throwing hatches. We had a water balloon fight, which was great. Um, we had, uh, and it wasn't supposed to be a water balloon fight. It was supposed to be a water balloon catch, but that didn't happen. <laughs> and, because and, um, of all the competitive <laughs> nature of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Was... The guys are playing basketball and, uh, yeah, it was really, it was a good time. And big cookout. I made like, you know, steaks and shrimp on the grill for everybody. And, and, um, you know, we had, uh, three guys had their birthdays that month. So we celebrated all their birthdays and had a big cake and, um, you know, the whole company was here. We had, I don't know, like 35 or 40 people here and just having a great time. And, you know, that kind of camaraderie, the, 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 um, culture and the camaraderie in your business are really important. You know, we, we just did a, uh, a hiring video because, you know, we we're in, uh, really going to be doubling down next year. So we need to hire in a lot more people and, and, um, we, we just did a new hiring video on, you know, why you should work here. And a lot of our uh, team members did interviews in that hiring thing. And one of the things they all said, like to a person was, this is like a family. They really feel like they're involved here. They feel like they're valued here. They feel like they've, um, you know, they, they just belong here and they wouldn't want to let anybody down. That's why everybody comes to work. Oh, that's a powerful thing right there. Yeah. They, I, when I played for my football coach, well, I played football for eight years, but I had good yep. coaches and bad coaches, but the good coaches, you can always tell a good coach because I, if I've made a mistake on the field, rather than me uh, being mad at myself, what would hurt worse is disappointing the coach or disappointing the team. The if team, you sure. can craft that kind of an environment, that is yep. a recipe right there. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. You know, when we have a, you know, we, everybody goes out every day. There's crews. We use, um, vans with, uh, um, enclosed trailers behind them. So there's two guys going out in a, you know, like, you know, we, we use Ford. So we have E350s fifties and two fifties and, and, um, we've got, uh, seven by 14 enclosed trailers and the guys go out and they have, you know, a couple jobs or three jobs or one job that they're going to for that day. And they're all going out, you know, we give them each the same amount of dollars every day to go out on. And, um, the whole thing is, is this is your work you're going out to do, but, the work collectively for the day is everyone's responsibility. So like, if you're not getting, if you're done at like two o'clock, you get on the phone and you call up and you say, Josh, do you need a hand with any of your stuff? Greg, you need some help? You know, Sean, you need any help? And you find the guy that's running late or he upsold something and it's, he's going to be working till seven o'clock and you go pick up his last job. 
But our guys do that like routinely. Like, I mean, every day they're all getting back to the yard at the same time. Nobody's leaving anybody out in the field hanging and everybody's getting back roughly within like 20 minutes of the other guys because we all help each other with getting their jobs done. That is so smart. Oh my gosh. We didn't yep. really do that, but that makes so much sense. It, let me, yep. let me just say this, you know, you attract what you project and your energy. I know everybody listening to this is like getting like sitting forward in their chair and they're like, their heart rates bigger. And they're like excited <laughs> and optimistic now. Cause you project just this confidence, Brian. And I'm not trying to sound cheesy, but it's true. I mean, you project confidence. And so in your magnetic, you have a magnetic personality. I mean, was that something that you feel like you developed or were you just always that guy that just was the life of the party? Cause I've hung out with you. We've had adult beverages. We've spent time together and you're always just your laugh, the way that you are, it almost gives you a little bit of an unfair advantage. So how much of that was developed intentionally versus you're just born that way? Well, I come from a family of seven. So like in a, at a very early age, you learned how to negotiate. <laughs> Let's just say that. It's like, you know, if there's one television and somebody wants to watch something, you have to negotiate. You can't have a fight, you know? And, and so I learned that at like an early age, how to negotiate. Um, I would say that I, I learned to be um, a lot more easygoing, probably like around 2000-ish. When, uh, I, I met, a, I met a woman and she had a, a, a two-year-old and a four-year-old and, uh, I'm sorry, th- like three and six, they were just about moving on that age. They were like three and six at the time. And, um, those kids, they, they taught me patience. They're the ones. I, I always tell and them now, never pray yeah. for patience because you God, know what you get. He doesn't yeah. give you patience. He gives you lots of opportunities to be patient. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, now my daughter's 24, my son's 26 and uh, going on 27 and, you know, they're just doing awesome. You know, I mean, they, and, and I'm really proud of my, and uh, Nick just got engaged last week. That's so, awesome. yeah, so he's going to be getting married and uh, yeah, so just, you know, there's so much good stuff going on. And, and I just feel that like, you know, the, you know, when I found my why, my, my why in, in life is to help other people improve their lives. That's my why. I, I, that's what I live for. That's what I'm here for. And I, if I can help somebody that wants to help themselves, I'm not just going around throwing out free help. You got to do the work, but I'll help you. I'll give you guidance. Um, I'll give an example. We hired in last year. Uh, I wanted to get uh, a lot of um, how-to videos and a lot of YouTube videos up for our company for like SEO and that type of stuff. And, you know, COVID hit and every, pretty much everybody that's a videographer was out of business because of COVID. They couldn't do weddings anymore. They couldn't do events anymore, birthday parties, nothing. So these guys were all out of work. And one of them had applied here, you know, to work as a power washer. And when I saw his resume, I'm like, no, man, Mike, you come, you work for me as a videographer. And he's like, what? He came here. I got to tell you, Josh, I mean, he produced some really, really nice stuff for us. And he made some super videos and, you know, we paid him a base and then we paid him on production so that. Like, you know, I knew I was, he was not going to be like dilly dallying because he needed to produce the videos in order to get them to me. But he made like, I don't know, 60 or 70 videos for us over the season. And he came over here uh, to my house yesterday because we we're making that new hiring video I was telling you about and, and a couple other videos. And uh, we went out to lunch. Oh, by the way, he got me this. I, I, I know we're not on video, but he got me like an awesome picture of a buffalo in the snow. This uh, is a buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, for Christmas. And so we went out to lunch and we were talking about, um, 
you know, his business and how he, how he could, you know, expand it a little bit and how he needs to get out of the field and get other people doing it, even though he loves doing that. And I talked to him about how it's not going to be ever saleable. Like if there's, you have listeners out there that they're just like one guy in a truck or two guys with it, you know, in a truck, your business pretty much is not saleable. The only thing you have is maybe the phone number and a customer list. If you even have one in a CRM. Uh, so maybe like 1500 bucks, a thousand bucks, like you, in order for you to sell your business, you have to not have a job in your business because no one's going to want to buy. No one that buys businesses is going to want to buy your job. Think about it. If you want to get rid of it, like if I was trying to get rid of my business back in 2005, it was total chaos. My trucks were all falling apart because guys were just abusing the heck out of them. Nobody was coming to work. They're quitting and everything else. And I'm trying to say to you, hey, Josh, you know, I want to get 100000 for my business. And you're like, well, what do you do? Oh, well, I fixed the trucks. I go clean up after the guys. I got to hire fire. I got to do the books on the weekends. And, um, you know, and, and I got to go fix all the customer complaints. I mean, like, that doesn't sound like any kind of job I want to pay money for. <laughs> you're right. I'd be like, it, I'd be like why riskier. are you punishing me? Don't well, give me that job. It's like getting punished. Yeah, it's riskier too. If you if you have kids, <clears throat> for me, it's not just about money and all that. It, you know, the lifestyle and the money is obviously way bit better when you have a bigger company. I always tell people it's actually easier to run a multi-million dollar business than it is to run a $200,000 business for lots of reasons. Yeah. Yep. There's different types of problems. Don't get me wrong. It's not magical unicorns, but but it's way better to have a team and everything. But for me, it's the risk. It's like, if you get hurt, you're done. Your income is very yep. uh, fragile. You know, you could get sick and you're done. Everything. I have another guy, you know, Tim uh, Sullivan. Sure. Um, he's just killed it the last couple of years. And when I started working with him, he was doing less than 200K. I remember. Operator mindset. Um, great guy. Always was a great guy. But he, in just two seasons, he's up close to a million now. Good so time. he went bing, bang, boom, right up there. Boom. Just like that. And what happened this year he had a lot of issues that kept him, you know, not able to work, just different health stuff that kept happening for like weeks and weeks on end. And I was talking to him this last week. I said, Tim, can you imagine what would have happened to you less than 24 months ago if you would have got sick then? And totally devastated. Yep. Yeah. It's night and day. His company still almost doubled this year, even though he was barely there to, to run it. Um, to me, that's, that's the really juicy part. I, what would you say to someone who is really mad about the election? We don't have to talk specifics about politics, although I think people have hints and clues as to where I stand, but they're just, they're depressed. They feel discouraged. They feel frustrated. There's chaos in the country. There's pandemics. There's fear. Everything's just crazy in their head because that's what they're focusing on. What would you say to kind of snap them out of it or to persuade them to be optimistic towards next year? Well, first of all, I would I would acknowledge that um, what they're experiencing is real because it is there's no matter what happens with this election, half of the country is going to think something's wrong. So we are a country divided and that is not a good thing. Our country has to be united and we have to figure out a way to do that. But there's, I mean, a lot of people were saying the election was rigged and a lot of people were saying that, you know, well, whatever, it's, it's just, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's going on, but you, you you can acknowledge that that's real. Okay. But then you have to, that's your eye looking down the scope of the rifle. Again, you're only looking at one little thing, open up your eyes. Your kids are still here. Your family's still here. You're, you're still in your house. 
You still got your cars. You're still doing whatever it is that you're doing. The land of opportunity, America, is still here. This is America. You can do whatever you want to do in this country as long as you wear a mask. You can do whatever you want to do in this country and you can make as much money as you want as, as you want in this country. It's one of the reasons why so many people want to immigrate into our country. This doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. It does. You can't That's do you can, so I couldn't go I couldn't go to like Saudi Arabia and open up a business. Like this. <laughs> I can't, I I just couldn't do it. It's not you could possible. go pressure wash all the sand off all the buildings in in the Middle East somewhere. No, that'd be tough. When I lived in Costa Rica, I got a rude awakening. Not a rude awakening. I guess I was just super naive. And when I got there, we lived there for almost two years. It it made me appreciate the United States for a lot of different reasons. Now there is some really cool cultural differences from just I think Latin culture in general that we can yeah. learn a lot from regarding family and things like that. But when it came to their mindset economically, it was really fascinating. All of our friends, people that went to our church in Costa Rica, my Spanish teacher, all the people that we met when we were there, um, it's not normal for them to even dream about things. You know, there's a lady that cleaned our house. I told this story before. I'll just briefly retell it super amazing worker, just a boss. I mean, this lady was such a BA and she just cleaned her butt off and rocked it out. And we didn't pay her very much. I paid her more than she asked for, but it was still next to nothing. And I asked her one day, what is your dream? What do you want to do with your life? You know, and she couldn't answer me. And so over the series of like a couple of weeks, I kept bringing it up. She, she had no response. And finally she broke down bawling her eyes out. And I wasn't even trying to get all weird and emotional. I'm just like, what do you want? You know, you know, there's so much opportunity. You're a great worker. You're super smart. You got a lot of skills. We want to build a business. Do you want to do it? And she, she would get very uncomfortable. Finally, she just started crying. Long story short, her dream was to have a $10,000 house, you know, to build this little tiny Costa Rican thing. You pour yep. a slab, you build a couple walls. It's got a tin roof on it. I add, I did all the job costing on it and it cost $10,000, including the land. That's what it would have cost. And for her, that was such an impossibility that it made her cry to even acknowledge that that's what she wanted because it felt impossible and it made her depressed to even think about her goal. And in my heart breaks and we could talk for three hours about why that's not her fault and all this stuff. But my, my point is, is in America, it's normal for us to be like, you know what? I'm going to go make a hundred grand this month. I'm going to go invent something. I'm going to do this thing. Wealth can be generated very quickly. You know, I think it's like 70 or 80% of millionaires are first generational right now. And also the great depression was at least the word on the street is that more millionaires are made in the great depression per capita than any other time in American history. So opportunity, the mindset, the skills, the talent, other people to collaborate with everything, all the pieces are here. And it is a very rare thing. It's rare and it's special. And we don't see it for that, which is to your point, I think why a lot of people do immigrate here because they see it uh, is this a magical, amazing thing. And we take it for granted. What do you think? Yeah, it's, oh, it's a land opportunity. And, you know, I, this was attributed to Henry Ford, but he said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And it's That's that simple. Right. Like if you, so you got a choice. You can either think you can do it and be willing to do the work and make it happen, or you just think you can't and just stay right where you're at. Yeah. Okay. And you know I'm what? not the first guy to build. That, I, I'm not the first guy to build a multi-million dollar power washing company. You know, I'm not the I'm not the first guy to do a lot of stuff. It's, there's other people who've already done it. There's nothing like original anymore. 
Yeah. There's, there's really nothing original. I mean, unless we're, you know, we're going to start doing like super space travel or something like that. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's very few things that are like that are original. I mean, there's, there's not, we're running out of things that are original. Everybody's just putting a new twist on something else. Like a lot of the, even the sales programs that are out today, they're all still like old school Zig Ziglar, which is somebody throwing a little. <sighs> so on. true, man. That's so yeah, true. I'm reading done. a lot of, I'm reading a ton of books on copywriting right now, just to get even better. Uh, yeah. It's one of my skills. You know, it's a very, very important skill. How do you make people feel things with the words you use the language? And, but as I'm digging into a lot of this content that's out there from all the so-called experts, if you pull back a couple layers, all of their teaching comes from like two or three people from like the 1920s. Oh yeah. You know, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Napoleon Hill. There's, there's all these like Clyde Hopkins and there's all these old school guys that teach principle based things. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's not, like, there's no, I mean, really there's nothing new, but, but you can just look at the old school stuff and just, you know, everybody says like direct mail's dead. Oh, direct mail still works. <laughs> it's just that everybody wants to just do something on Instagram instead and get in with the crowd. You know, I mean, think about it. When you get your mail in your mailbox, there's, there's less pieces of stuff in the mailbox. Now people are looking at it, like you get like two pieces. You're looking at it to see what it is back in the day. It used to be 50 pieces. And you just start throwing stuff away, you know? So like now everybody's in the crowd, they're all on Facebook and Instagram doing the advertising and direct mail is still the way to go. It's like zigging when people are zagging. You know? <laughs> exactly. You want to, yeah. Oh, this is such a great conversation. I, I it always is down and not keep you all day, but I could talk to you forever about this stuff. What's no, it's always good. You know, for I tell you what though, I I I think for 2021, I really believe that's going to be a huge year for opportunity. There's going to be so much growth. I, and I do want to point out one thing. I mean, you you know what private equity is, right? Yep. Okay. So private equity, I think there's something like four trillion dollars on the sidelines in private equity right oh, now. For the, they for can't the, even your, spend it. There's not enough things to buy to even invest you, it. That's one of the problems. Bam, there you go. Right. And so yeah. what, one of the things in, in our industry, which is, in, in, I'm talking for me, I know there's other listeners and, you know, other fields that your listeners are in, but I'm in the power washing and, you know, window cleaning. We don't do too much window cleaning, but power washing and roof cleaning industry. And there, there are guys in private equity that buy companies from, the power washing industry, but there's very few companies that they can buy because they're not set up to sell. It's like owner operators, what I was telling you before, where they're just pretty much not saleable. And yep. the private equity money right now is like on fire going into buying up HVAC companies. The, the HVAC is just on fire and pest control on fire because they're, they're looking for good investments that are pandemic proof. And these things have proved that they're pandemic proof. They're essential. They've, you've got to get them done. You can't have rats running around in the kitchen or in your house. And, mm -hmm. you know, if the heat goes out or the air conditioning goes out, it has to get fixed. And the private equity is coming in and they're paying ridiculous multiples on, um, I'll call it EBITDA, but most people just say like, you know, net profit, but it's EBITDA. They're paying yeah. like ridiculous multiples on that. So like, say you're, your, your EBIT is like, uh, you know, a hundred thousand, they're paying like six times that for a company. And you know, it's, it's like 12 times that if you're doing like over a million dollars in net profit yep. and, and it's really going through the roof and there's so much money on the sidelines and private equity is not buying restaurant chains. They're not buying retail. They're not buying real estate investments. They're not, they're staying away from all that stuff because it's too risky with the pandemic. No one knows what, I mean, just look at all the restaurants got wiped out. That's a really good point. I, well, I sold my company to private equity and yeah. 
and I think what happens too is if you didn't grow up with money, if you don't know people that have money, if having lots of money is a really foreign kind of uncomfortable thought, right? You, you don't understand how much wealth there is because the only things you see are, you know, poverty and lack and struggle and everything. And that's not your fault. It's just what you see. Right. But people got to understand that there is massive amounts of wealth out there. There is, there are so many rich people. You can't even comprehend it. There's tons in tons. There's millions of millionaires. There's so many people have assets and resources. I'll give you one example. Apple computers. When I moved to Costa Rica, because I'm a nerd, I looked at their, uh, they're basically their, their balance sheet. I was trying to just learn about complex financial statements and stuff. Cause I'm a dork. And I looked and they had 180 billion in cash. Now this was like four or five years ago. I don't know how much they have. Now. That's Probably all a lot more. <laughs> That's so all. They had 180 billion in cash. The people don't even understand how much a billion is. Now, by the way, that was more cash than the United States treasury had at the time. Cause you can go to the treasury.gov and look at how much they have. They had like 28 billion. So wow. anyway, so Apple physically can't even spend enough money to even keep the capital working for them. And that's one company. And there's, and that's that, by the way, you'll think this is interesting. A million seconds is like 13 days. It might be seven days. I think it's like 13 days, something like that. A billion seconds is 33 years. We don't understand how much more a billion is than a million. <laughs> so there's so much money. There's so much, but you have to create value, position yourself, network. You got to believe it so you can do it. You got to build systems. You can become a millionaire from a company. Brandon sold his company for a seven-figure exit. Now he's scaling Automate Grissel is exploding and growing. And it's, it's amazing. It's helping people do what you're talking about, which is build a sellable company and sell it. There, uh, it, there is a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Do you have yeah, any uh, closing yeah. thoughts, Brian? Yeah. It's, it, there's this tremendous opportunity out there. And if, if, you know, if you get out of your own mindset and just think to yourself, I can do this, reach out for help, you know, great, great place to start. If you're stuck is conquer. It's, it's so worth the money. It's, it's, it's freaking cheap. I, I'm, it's just so worth the money because everything in there and the expertise that's in there, you get to talk to Brandon Vaughn. I mean, the guy built a $4 million a year power washing and window cleaning company from a hundred thousand dollar a year company he bought from his dad, you know? And I mean, like, what do you, how, do, how fast did he scale that? Was that like four or five it, years? It was like five and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Like five years. I mean, like he, he knows exactly how to do it. And if you're trying to figure out like the magic recipe, Brandon already made the cake. He's got it. He did it. You know, so there's no, there's no sense in like trying to reinvent the wheel. I would highly recommend, I'm not, I, I don't mean to be sad, like I'm pushing conquer, but I'm just saying it's like, that's the place. If people are stuck in business and they don't know which way to go, or you're fearful or you can't figure it out, get join conquer, just get in there and they'll help you out. And like you said with Tim, I, I liked him. He's a super nice guy. And I remember when he first came around and it was like, he was doing a couple hundred thousand and he goes to me, I'm going to get up to a million. I'm so glad you're helping a man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did all the work, you know, but it may, it's easier when you have some community around you to hold you accountable and to help you shortcut things. And I've spent over a hundred thousand dollars on my own personal education. Well over a yep. hundred thousand. Sure. And I, I would do it. I should have spent more. I I'm looking now to spend more. I, 
it's a short game. By the way, I didn't tell Brian to come on here and talk about Conquer. In fact, I was we didn't even plan anything. I said, let's just talk. This is a weird year. You got high energy. Let's just get you on here. So this was totally unscripted for the record. Yeah, that was not I didn't want to sound like a commercial either, but it was just like one of those things. It's like that's probably the best thing to do for anybody. And and uh, you know, I just see 2021 as a great year for opportunity, you know. I'm planning on scaling my business out to 10 million. And then when I hit 10 million, I'm selling, but I'm bringing a lot of my employees along for the ride. I'm giving them phantom equity in the company. So by the time we end up going to sell, like a lot of my employees are going to end up being millionaires. You're getting and, super nerdy with your phantom equity and all of your fancy business language, Brian. You've just transformed into a complete mogul. A there's great- another, you know what it is? I'm telling you, in our industry, like in the power washing industry, people don't talk about stuff like this. If you listen yeah. to guys in the garage door industry, or if you listen to podcasts of guys in the um in the in the HVAC industry, like there's one called uh, the point, it's with Chris Yano, and there's a Tommy Mello does the um the home service millionaire. Yeah, I mean, if, I'm, I, I don't mean to be plugging other guys' podcast, but no, I, mean, I listen, love. I, Tommy called me yesterday on my phone and we talked. He's he's phenomenal, he's a and great it, guy. And and Tommy's scaling out his company to a billion dollars in garage doors. He's learning from the HVAC guys. Yep. And the HVAC guys learned it from the pest control guys. The only industry that, that it really hasn't like woke up yet is the power washing go- industry. We just, we're not awake yet. Yeah. And, and uh, man, when I learned about that and I read, I read some really good books on equity and uh, on private equity. And um, when I read about that, I was like, Oh wow, I got to change the way my, I, I, I keep my books because I want it to be like, when a private equity company comes in here to look at it, I want it to be exactly line item on my profit and loss statement and on my balance sheet. Like they would want to look at it from the beginning. So we're not even talking about like, Oh, we need to move these numbers around. I'm talking like, here's the numbers. This is it. Let's go. Give me the money. You know, (laughs) I'm setting it, I'm setting it up to sell it. So I'm thinking like three to five years out. And then I'm not just selling it once I'm sticking in for the second bite which is, that's the main thing. Like, think about this. If there's a private equity company that's buying up power washing companies and wants to build like a $30 million power washing company and then sell it to another private equity company that's trying to build a $100 million private equity company, I'm going to keep my money in on that role. I'm I'm taking some of it out. Well, you, you back sell a majority because, stake on round one, and then you ride it for three or five more years, and then oh yeah, exit yeah, no doubt, man. And that's generational wealth you're creating. That's not something that you can even spend in your lifetime. Are you going to you know? buy me like a steak dinner when you do that, Brian? No, you know what I'm getting you. I'm getting you a Mercedes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. You know that. <laughs> I, I see what you Mercedes. did there too. For anybody that didn't know, Josh's last podcast was on how much he hated Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, such man. a fraud. I was such a fraud, but that was great, man. And uh, I, I, that was a great podcast though. I can't get the buttons to work. I can imagine you, Ellen, my girlfriend was here and she's listening to that. And she goes, Brian, you would not even be telling that story like that. Like every other word would have a curse word in it. <laughs> I, I had to hold back to keep it friendly. <laughs> I did. I had to hold back a couple of times. Uh, I know. I get so frustrated by stuff like that, man. I'm like, why can't they just make it like when you turn the knob? <laughs> I was just shocked, I guess. Um, uh, you know, can't hook I, up your Bluetooth. I, I was just surprised. I just assumed it would be better in every capa- in every category because it's a $120,000 car. Yeah. It wasn't. It was a piece of crap. I hated that car. <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> 
So 10 million of revenue, if you can maintain a $2 million EBITDA at that scale, yeah. sell it for a 10 multiple, it's a $20 million valuation. On the that first fight. Imaginable for people, right. but it's real. I promise you it's real. And, uh, but it starts with like Brian said a few years ago where he, he had rusty vans and employees quitting and he, he got a handle on it. He took responsibility. He took Jocko's advice and, you know, extreme ownership. He started putting in systems. He paid for coaching, education, and community. He, he did the work. It wasn't easy. It took several years. And now things are steaming ahead. And there's no doubt in my mind you're going to achieve what you set out to. And I'm just happy to eat popcorn and cheer you on as you do it, my friend. Well, I, I tell you what, I, the first step was with you. And, and uh, you're, you know, it's always been great. I, I do want to tell you, June this month, was the June this year was the first month we ever had where we did over 300,000. Mm. And I thought, Holy crap. Those years that I used to just do 300 in the whole year, <laughs> right? Four weeks. <laughs> and we just did it in four weeks and blew it away. And I was like, yeah. when we hit the 300, I was like, we're having a party. And <laughs> we had a big party at my house. Crazy. It's really, yeah. it, and it, it does something in your brain. It really does. So for years, when I started my service company, Making a hundred thousand a year in revenue is that's kind of everybody's first milestone. It's a big oh, deal yeah. to do it. The one hundred, the two fifty, the five, the seven fifty. Yeah. Yep. Sure. And then and you, know, you fast forward, you know, after I was out of that business, we've had I've done hundred thousand dollars almost really in a day through different ventures and things I've done. And but what it does in your brain is it just it just kind of re realigns you with reality that you know what I was thinking really small and I didn't know it, but then when you hit the three hundred, you go, you know what? we could do 3 million in a month. I mean, cause you can, it's just math, right? Math is the path and yep. these things are possible. And whether uh, you think you can or you can't, you're right. You know, we got, I'm doing the budget here for next year and I got one, the highest month I got to do is 575 and the best month we've ever had is 300. And I know we could do 575 cause we already have the equipment. Everything's yeah. here. Well, that's another key point really is that you're stepping out when I say in faith, I don't mean like blindly and ignorantly, but I mean, you, you're positioning yourself to be able planning. to actually do that right yep. now. So yeah, planning, because yep. it's real to you. And so you're, you're going to prepare, hire and market accordingly, which is why you're going to get that result. And even if you don't and you fail miserably and hit 517,000, that's how you win as you keep preparing. Oh, for no, no, no. Day. I'm going to, I'm going to, if I only do 517, <laughs> I'm quitting. No. <laughs> Brian, it's always a pleasure. I mean, always a pleasure, you know, my friend. You know, I love you, and so does my family. And Merry oh, Christmas. Right back at you. Yeah. Thanks for adding so much value, my friend. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.